Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Well, good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That is me. My name is Guy Flaming. You can blame my parents for that name. Thank you for uh, taking the time to download this particular episode of the show. If you're new to the Pipeline Show, a little project for you. I want you to tell me how you found out about the Pipeline Show, where you heard about it, and and uh, what made you uh, download an episode. I'm always curious to see where new listeners are coming from and uh, maybe where you're getting it too. If you're getting it from iTunes or Spotify or, or SoundCloud or you're just clicking on a link on Twitter or something like that, how you came across the Pipeline Show uh, is of interest to me. Uh, if you're a, re- a returning listener, well, thank you very much for uh, coming back for more of the Pipeline Show. It's great to have you along for the ride. Maybe you can tell me how long you've been a listener of the uh, program. This show started back in 2006 on a local radio here in Edmonton on TSN 1260. Back then it was actually called Team 1260. And then uh, TSN and Bell uh, took over the company and uh, it became TSN 1260. And that continued until... Uh, well, I guess about 2016 on radio, and then uh, things changed at the radio station, and we moved uh, the show to uh, podcast form, and uh, so for the last uh, two and a half seasons, it's been a, uh, a podcast, and so I'm always curious to see uh, how the audience has uh, changed or grown or uh, where people are coming from, uh, so if you can tell me, that would be great, and for those of you who get your podcasts uh, at a place like iTunes or Spotify where you can leave ratings or comments, uh, please do. So that uh, other people who don't listen to the show or are new to the show or just stumble across the show, uh, they are able to get a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a hint of what the show is like and uh, if it's recommended or not. And maybe that will encourage them to, uh, to download an episode and, and join the group. As always here on the Pipeline Show, we like to start each episode off with the question of the day, which I'm going to actually put up on Twitter as we speak right now. You're gonna. You might even hear some tapping in the in the background. That'll be me on the keyboard. This is gonna be a pretty uh, simple one. The question of the day, the a question of the week rather. What is the surprise team so far this year in the Canadian Hockey League? Either because of the way they've played in a positive sense, or if you're disappointed in the way they've started. Uh, we'll go from that. There we go. So the uh, pipeline show question of the week. What is the surprise team so far this year in the Canadian Hockey League, either in a good or a bad way? And, uh, you know, a, a surprise team. For me, the Brian Weekings have uh, done worse so far to start the uh, the season 
than I expected they would. They are currently just on the outside of a playoff spot in the WHL's Eastern Conference, and they've played a couple more games than Moose Jaw, who is one point ahead of them in that final playoff position. Very early in the season to be talking about playoffs, but you know, right now in their division, they're fifth, and I think I had them as second in their division, maybe third. So for me, uh, Brandon is the team that's a, a bit of a surprise struggle. But tell me what uh, you think. You can uh, send me a note on Twitter. Reply to the thread on Twitter. How about that? At TPS underscore Guy. All right, let's get to the uh, news and notes uh, for the week. And we'll start in the uh, Canadian Hockey League with the uh, top 10. That comes out in the middle of the week. So going into this weekend's action, the Sherbrooke Phoenix are the now the number one ranked team in the Canadian Hockey League. They uh, move up from two to one replacing the Oshawa Generals, who were 9-0 and at one point. They're now, uh, or at least when the ranking came out, they were 9-2, and so they fall from the number one spot to number two. The Edmonton Oil Kings are playing pretty well. They uh, jump up from the sixth position to number three. PA moves down one spot from three to four. The Shakutami Saganin hold on to that number five position. Owen Sound moves from eight to sixth. The number seven team are the Cape Breton Eagles. Number eight, the Ramuski Oceanic. Peterborough uh, enters the top ten at the number nine spot, and Charlottetown moves down one spot to number ten. A closer look at the WHL, the uh, number one team by points are the Edmonton Oil Kings with uh, 19 points. They've played 12 games. There are a few teams that have played more and some that have played less, but uh, when it comes to winning percentage, the Oil Kings also ranked uh, number one or come in at number one with a 792 and I like to look at winning percentage because to me that's a more of a, a, an accurate indicator. The Everett Silvertips, who by points are a fifth place right now, they are actually a number two for winning percentage at 727. The Calgary Hitmen, who have only played nine games and have 13 points, well, they're 13th overall in uh, by uh, points in the league, but they have the third best winning percentage. So that's why I like to, to look at that category more. That puts uh, Medicine Hat fourth and Prince Albert fifth. Four teams uh, right now out of the Eastern Conference in the top five by winning percentage. And uh, leading the league in scoring, Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers has uh, 20 points. Adam Beckman had a a monster night a couple of games ago. He jumps uh, up to the second spot in uh, in league scoring. He's got 19 points. Bryce Kindop of the Everett Silvertips with 18. Uh, Zane Franklin with the uh, Blazers, he has 17. And Nolan Foote, recently named captain of the Kelowna Rockets, he has 16 points. Interesting. The top five players uh, in scoring all coming from the WHL's Western Conference. Moving slightly east, we'll uh, look at the Ontario Hockey League. And the uh, top team by winning percentage in the OHL are the Oshawa Generals uh, with an 818 winning percentage. Windsor is next, followed by Flint and the Peterborough Peets. Owen Sound rounding out the top five. Interesting, still London has only still played nine games. Uh, they only have a, a 500 winning percentage, though, so they are in the uh, bottom half of uh, league standings when you look at it from that category. Statistically speaking, Quinton Byfield leads the league in scoring. He has 27 points. He's followed by Arthur Kaliev with 25. Cole Perfetti has 24 points. Phil Tomasino with 23. And Nick Robertson has 22. Out east in Quebec, only one team has a, uh, a winning percentage above 800, and that is Sherbrooke, the number one ranked team in the Canadian Hockey League. They are 12-1-2. and two. For 26 points, uh, Cape Breton, off to an 11-3 start this year. 
They're followed closely by uh, Charlottetown, Ramouski, and the Moncton Wildcats. All of those teams are above 700 uh, when it comes to their winning percentage. The Acadie Bathurst uh, Teton still uh, looking for their first win of the 2019-20 season. Natural progression from the CHL is uh, U-Sport, so let's go there next, and uh, we'll start with the standings in uh, U-Sport in the uh, Ontario East uh, Conference. Carleton is uh, the top squad. They're off to a 5-1 and one record. On the East Coast, the Acadia Axemen, great name, 6-1 and one to begin the year, followed closely by the uh, Varsity Reds uh, from New Brunswick, the UNB Reds. Both of those teams playing very well. Acadia has played one more game and have one more win than UNB. In uh, Canada West, the uh, University of Calgary Dinos are the uh, top squad right now with a record of 5-0-1 and 11 points. The University of Alberta has a 5-1 record. That one loss coming to Mount Royal last week in uh, Claire Drake. Uh, a lopsided victory for the Cougars, a 7-3 final there for Mount Royal. And Mount Royal is uh, the number three team in Canada West. By the way, if you're looking to uh, check out some uh, Canada West hockey this weekend, it's a uh, Cougar battle as uh, Mount Royal is in Regina. Both of those teams named the Cougars. It's like the CFL and the Rough Riders. Meanwhile, Calgary is in uh, Saskatoon to play the University of Saskatchewan and Lethbridge hosting the University of Alberta this weekend. The CJHL rankings, the top 20 across uh, Canada. And when it comes to uh, Junior A hockey, the Brooks Bandits and the Sherwood Park Crusaders are 1-2, and two, both coming out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Brooks is a uh, perfect 15-0, and 0, and the Sherwood Park Crusaders right behind them with a 15-1 and 1 record. Those two teams are 1-2 and 2 on the uh, National Top 20 poll, followed by uh, Battlefords out of the Saskatchewan, Powassan in Northern Ontario, Thunder Bay from the SIJHL, Spruce Grove out of the AJHL, they are number 6, the Portage Terriers from Manitoba, number 7, the Toronto Patriots are 8, College Francais Longueuil is uh, number 10, excuse me, number 9. Carlton Place is 10. Timmins is 11. Wellington is 12, followed by Okotoke, Salmon Arm, Coquitlam, Edmonston, Steinbach, Oakville, Penticton. The V's are at 19, and uh, Melfort is 20. want to mention right now, in the AGHL, uh, Carter Savoy is a draft-eligible player and uh, ripping it up this year. He has 37 points in 16 games, 22 of those our goals draft eligible player in Carter Savoy. His teammate is Michael Benning, defenseman. He's he's fifth in league scoring, and uh, obviously the top defenseman scoring. He has uh, 25 points right now for the Crusaders. The NCAA top 20, according to USCHO, is uh, the number one team at the Denver Pioneers. They got 47 of the uh, 50 votes. They're perfect six and an O to begin the season. Minnesota State is number two. Massachusetts, the Minutemen, are three, followed by Cornell, who have yet to play a game. Notre Dame, five. Wisconsin, six. Providence is seven. Minnesota Duluth, the defending two-time defending national champs, off to a one-in-three start. They are still ranked number eight. Quinnipiac is nine. Boston College comes in at ten. Northeastern jumps from 15 up to 11. Penn State slips a little bit from 9 to 12. That's followed. They're followed by Clarkson, St. Cloud State, Ohio State. North Dakota holds on to the 16 spot. Bowling Green is 17. Western Michigan, they fall from 14 to 18. Harvard holds steady at 19. And uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers round out the top 20. Some interesting games in uh, the NCAA this weekend. Uh, Boston University is uh, taking on the uh, Lowell 
uh, River, I was going to say the River Rats, the River Hawks. Uh, Providence is on the road. To, they'll play at Boston College on Friday night. And uh, some cool non-conference games. The Golden Gophers hosting the Duluth Bulldogs. So a uh, Minnesota battle there. Wisconsin at home to Clarkson. Western Michigan Broncos travel and uh, will play at Yost against the Michigan Wolverines. St. Cloud State welcomes Northeastern. That should be a good game. So lots of uh, hockey action going on on uh, both sides of the border. Let's get to what's coming down the pipe today. We're going to kick off uh, today's show with uh, Mark Edwards of HockeyProspect.com. Of course, uh, we rely on HockeyProspect.com throughout the last number of seasons here on the Pipeline Show. There are scouts in the buildings all year watching the games and uh, put together a terrific list, and it all culminates right before the draft in the Black Book. It's become the uh, the staple of independent scouting uh, across, uh, well, the prospect world of hockey. Uh, anybody who uh, follows the draft closely, I'm sure, gets a copy of the Black Book. Well, Mark Edwards is going to join us uh, for the first time this season, get an overall sense of the, uh, the draft class this year, and uh, we're going to ask specifically about uh, three players. They all happen to play for the U.S. Development Program, but... Mark's got a good feel for those guys already, so we'll talk to him about that. From there, it's going to be the NCAA Campus Report, which is brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. Old friend of the Pipeline show is Ken Schott. has been around that the, the ECAC conference uh, for over two and a half decades now. He's going to help us uh, preview the conference. From there, it'll be an In the Dub segment for Dub Network. Uh, Ryan Chazowski, who is a 19-year-old with the Medicine Hat Tigers, the uh, Tigers are actually coming up to Edmonton this weekend, and uh, that club is expected to be one of the uh, better teams in the league this year and off to a pretty good start. So we'll talk to him. Here's a guy who hasn't been drafted yet, but more and more we're seeing 19-year-olds being drafted uh, by NHL clubs, so he could be a guy on the radar for some teams. So that could be a, a 2020 draft spotlight segment as well. We might call it that. But he'll be our CHL insider for the store nextdoor.ca. You can uh, check them out employing people with disabilities out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, and turning uh, some junk into some really cool stuff. What they do is they collect as many broken hockey sticks as they can get their hands on, and they transform those sticks into some really cool products. Uh, lots of furniture that you can have around the house, and uh, whether it's picture frames or uh, park benches, or you know if you got a, a sports bar and you want to uh, put a table and uh, some chairs that are all constructed out of uh, broken hockey sticks, it's really cool stuff that they uh, are able to to put together, and it's for a great cause as well. So check them out at thestorenextdoor.ca. And then in our final segment today, we're going to uh, catch up with a former WHLer who has uh, taken his talents all the way to the East Coast. He's playing for the Acadia Axemen. Jordy Stallard is his name. So it'll be a U-Sport update segment. So a full slate of guests. We will kick it off, though, with uh, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. That's coming up next here on the Pipeline Show. McCarthy trying to get it out of his own zone. Picks it up again behind the USA goal. This time a safe play and he finds Turcotte. With Gil down, shorthanded and over the line. Turcotte, out in front, score! What a move! Alex Turcotte, a shorthanded goal. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back 
for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. Let's kick off this week's episode of the Pipeline Show in fine style. Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com is back on the show uh, for another season, and uh, we're going to chat all throughout the year with guys from HockeyProspect.com. Your staff, Mark, you guys in the ranks all year round and uh, bringing us lots of info. We'll really appreciate that. Uh, First off, how's things? All good here. We're off to to a good start. Um, Starting to feel the weather change a little bit, and... uh, (laughs) Going to head into uh, Quebec this weekend. I like I like trying to jump into Quebec as much as I can in the fall uh, before the weather changes too much. So uh, been down quickly once, another one this weekend, and uh, all good. We got obviously Jerome uh, pumping around there pretty good, and guys everywhere. But I like to get my uh, my visits in and, and take a look. Um, the guys are just starting to you know, see enough to start sending in some, some draft grades. So for me, trying to oversee everything, um, I just try and focus on those, you know, the A and B type prospects and jump mm-hmm. around much like a, an NHL team director of scouting would do. And we're just getting to the point where we're starting to get guys have a good feel on uh, what they've got. So for me in Ontario, as an example, I, you know, I'm starting to get a better handle on, my own draft grades for the, you know, the eligibles here in Ontario. Well, I know you guys have been busy because uh, I, well, I saw you're tweeting about uh, dodging deer on the road and uh, <laughs> from one trip to another. And I know you were in uh, Pittsburgh uh, for the USHL Fall Classic and things like that. Overall, what's your your initial impression of uh, the 2020 draft class? Boy, when I say 2020, doesn't it? It still feels like we're talking about years down the road in the future. Uh, but uh, hey, we're we're there now. I know. My daughter's a 2006. I think when we get to that one, it's going to hit hard. But uh, we're a little off that. Still a little off that right now. And that deer thing was, it was crazy. Like the, there was two lane highway, car coming towards us. I was with a uh, scout driving and there was another scout in the back seat. I was in the passenger seat. And uh really dark road just as we're getting to uh the, the main highway, uh coming out of Windsor, heading back, uh, spending the night in London. Anyway, Car coming towards us hits it, and then it's sliding towards us on the road, coming towards kind of like the front left front tire. Mm-hmm. I yell deer just as the driver sees it. He swerves to the right, and then it's just as then I, I yelled debris because there was like a big red bumper on the other side of the road <laughs> that was sliding towards the right, and he managed to swerve back toward the left. So we just did a zigzag. And uh, he managed to avoid both. And then the car behind us, um, he saw in the rearview mirror with a van, uh, went over the deer. So if the deer was still uh, kicking, I think it was Ugh. unfortunately toast after that. But uh, that's the, the, the fun stuff. I'll tell you, it's the stuff I never thought of when I started doing this is just how many, you know, times you see these animals and stuff and uh, i'm i'm with moose i'm like stay overnight i don't mess around when they're moose zones <laughs> uh, i did one trip from shikudami all the way back to montreal one night 
actually with that same scout that was driving and I vowed I won't do that again. So yeah. I, I spend the night and if I was scouted out in your country, I'd be like overnight all the time because <laughs> my travels out there, it was like wild kingdom. Well, it sounds like a book waiting to be written. Uh, uh so you asked about the, yeah, you asked about the fall classic. So, um, you know what? It's, it's a really productive tournament for me. Uh, we've got Mike and Dusty covering that league and it just gives me a chance right at the start to get a view of, uh, the teams and I kind of have just uh, my initial impression and some guys jump out at you right like either is uh, you know I, I don't see a draft in that guy or that guy's a definite draft maybe he's a B whatever mm-hmm. I mean it doesn't really matter at that point what kind of grade I put on it those guys will start taking all in and, and put their their individual grades on it and then I'll go back to it but just a really good chance uh, to, to get a, a look in one weekend um at everything and uh, and then go from there. So productive. It's only a, like a four-hour trip for me to scoot down to Pittsburgh, and it's a good setup. Other than the rink getting a little bit small for that event, it's just uh, it's a great complex. There's hotels right around it, like hotel right in the parking lot for God's sakes. And you know the one I stands is direct across the street. Lots of restaurants, so it's a really good setup. Except it's getting pretty tight. Like we're we're standing in the stairs, you know, the, the aisles and stuff like that. It worked packed in pretty good. But mm. uh, overall, I like it. Um, like I said, it's, it's a productive weekend, which is what I look for. And then uh, made a quick trip to Quebec uh, to see uh, LaPierre, actually. And um, other than that, I've just been, you know, covering my own little area here and got a pretty good feel for it. I still haven't seen... Uh, two teams i watched them on tape but i kind of don't count that so i got to see a couple teams go live but i've seen the other uh, 18 in ontario and uh, we're jumping around pretty good and starting to get a feel for what this draft is going to be well and i guess that would be uh, the setup for the next question what kind of draft is this are would you consider this a an average above average uh, below average what's the depth like uh, right now or is it too early to talk about depth maybe just on the, in, in regards to the top 10 or maybe the first round uh, what's your early impression yeah i really like the the top 10 or 11 uh, i think that's the, that's a good group um you know to, i guess good way to give you an example cuz i just said this to uh to Jerome yesterday when we were talking i said you know i feel like our rankings go you know, 9, 10, 11, 22, 23. I feel like that kind of 12 to 20 range in there, the guys just don't feel like they they fit there, uh. if that makes any sense. They they all kind of feel like they should be more like the start again at 20-ish range. They just feel like there's not enough there to sit in that area. And there was a little bit of that last year, but, it, you know, as the season went on, some guys come out of the woodwork and it wasn't quite as bad. But um, And then the USA's, a little bit weak this year, I would I would say at this point now. Again, it's it's early. I mean, this time last year, there was a few guys out of the USHL that hadn't really made themselves known, or even some high school or prep or whatever, right? But so it's it's really early. But I'd say at the same time, you know, last year it was much stronger in the US. Uh, like I think you know the program, everybody knows it's going to be tough to match up last year's. But just the yeah. program in general, if you went up against other years. Um, not quite as strong. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some players I like on the team, but just not quite as strong. Um, and then the USHL in itself, which I just referred to the fall classic. Um, I think it's, it's a down year for sure, especially for high end. I mean, there'll be some, some B's and C's, but some higher end stuff just isn't there. Um, 
prep in high school, that that is just me, you know, talking to our own guys. It's not sounding like it's going to be fantastic. Mm. So, you know, when you start mentioning that many places in the States and it's all seeming like a bit of a weaker year, uh, that's going to affect the overall draft. Now, here in Ontario, we got some high-end guys that we've been missing for a bit here yeah. uh, this year, which is good. Um, more enjoyable for me, obviously, when I'm going out. But I think there's more, <coughs> excuse me, I think there's more depth as well. Um, this time last year, I had about 14, 15 guys that I had kind of draft grades on. And right now, it's really early. I'm a lot more generous and kind. But right now, I think I've got at least 30. So that's a big difference for the same time this time uh, this year compared to last year. And then the Q's got a little more high end. um, And then I would rate it kind of about the same as far as total drafts. Now Jerome's just putting his grades. He did a preseason grades for me. And then he's, you know, he's going to tune that up now that he's been out there a month. But for me, when I just do my own, it's about the same, I think, but I've got some guys higher as far as a few more higher end guys uh, than last year think uh and then the dub i don't know the depth of the dub well enough myself so i'm waiting for for guys to put that together but as far as the high end it's definitely weaker than last year obviously it was a good year last year for the dub so that's not going to shock anybody that pays attention at all mark edwards from hockeyprospect.com my guest uh we're, i'm going to ask you about a trio of players that are playing for the u.s uh, development program this year but before i do i wanted to get your take uh, as a scout on uh, the changes uh, to the, well, they scrapped the All-American prospect game. That would have already happened uh, normally by now. And they're changing the USHL top prospect game to kind of, they say they're combining it, but it's a big difference. This year they're going to play, it's going to be the U.S. team will take on an all-star team of draft-eligible players out of the USHL. That leaves all the American CHL guys, all the American high school guys, on the outside looking in, they would have played in the All-American game, so... That opportunity for those guys to play in a showcase event is gone, except for those Americans that happen to be in the CHL. They could still play in the in the CHL top prospect game. But uh, what's your your take on it from a scouting perspective? Do you do you like the change, or do you wish they still had the two games uh, separately? Well, I can tell you that I can remember as far back as when it was in Pittsburgh, the All American prospect game. Um, different scouts and myself included suggesting that they've got to, they've got to keep the U S national program on the same team and just play the rest of the USAers uh, because they weren't playing the game hard. So they didn't want to like lay a finger on each other when they were on separate teams. Sure. And the game, the game was just a very all-star like game. In other words, it just, it was awful. I mean, I was not a fan of that game, uh, the all American prospect game and haven't been uh, in any of them. Um, so, um, originally I reached out to a scout in August or something like that and said, Hey, like what's going on with the all, all American prospect game? Where is it? You know, I haven't even heard anything about it. Just kind of realized, you know, all of a sudden it's getting late here. When is it? And, uh, he replied back, <laughs> oh, excuse me. He replied back that it was going to be in Plymouth in January and it was going to be USA against all the rest. And I'm like, Oh my God, they, they listened to my idea. Like, this is genius. (laughs) So, And I can tell you, every scout I talked to was thrilled about this, uh, that that this was going to be the case. Um, But I guess now it's a little bit different the way you described it. Um, I still prefer this, but 
you know, excluding kind of the preps. And that's not the way I had heard it. I had heard it was still going to be preps and everybody included here. So it's a little bit different. Like it was still talked about as the All-American prospect game, not the top prospect USHL game, which has also been kind of weak. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Uh, when I read the uh, the press release, that was what the impression was uh, for me. Like a, a high school guy like Blake Biondi wouldn't be involved unless he was back playing in the USHL. A guy like Antonio Stranges with the with the London Knights would have played in the All American game like in years past. But I don't think he's suddenly going to go down to the USHL and and play in their top prospect game, right? So. Uh, I, I think there's going to be some differences. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't pay attention to that because I thought the scouts to describe it as it was the new version of the All-American um, Prospects game. That's what it was called, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so I was thinking that it was just Team USA against all the best of the other USAs. In other words, last year they had it all. It was going to be the same kind of group, except this year all the program kids are on one team. So right. They don't have to worry about not laying a finger on each other like we had seen. And they play the best of the rest. Um, and every single scout I talked to thought that was it, and we were all excited about it. If that's not the case and you're missing out on a Strangis or, like you said, you know, whatever, uh, a Beyondy, that Beyondy they'd probably let play. I mean, he's started the year and all that. I, I don't know. I mean, I'd just be guessing at this point. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't pay attention because I thought I had it all the info from scouts and uh, maybe that's not the case, but yeah, I talked about it on one of our early podcasts actually after I'd heard that and just kind of mentioned that I was pumped about it. And every scout I talked to loves the idea, but All I right. guess we'll take a, take a closer look here and find out yeah. exactly what it's going to be. I'll have to call USA hockey or something like that. All right, let's get to uh, the, the uh, short list of guys we wanted to chat about today. Three guys, they all happen to be teammates playing for the U S team. Uh, and uh, Ty Smolanik is, is uh, I, I think, a guy a lot of people expect to be a high pick this year, or at least uh, potentially a first-round pick. What sort of uh, early impression do you have of him? Yeah, so we're a little we're a little lighter on uh, viewings as a as a staff on this team compared to the big team of last year. At the same time, um, you know, but that said, starting to get a little bit of a feel for them. And Smolanik was um, the highest. Um, guy on our list in our early list and and we kept it that way for our our September first release here that we put out uh, a few weeks ago now I guess we're getting closer to the next list and Mm -hmm. talking about the first list here but a really really uh, competitive player I mean this this kid's compete is through the roof and his skating is also really high end Uh, he's probably only around uh, six feet six one Um, you know actually I was talking to a scout just just yesterday or the day before yesterday and the topic came up like just about all of them seem like they're they've had an extra inch added on from the current roster uh what what the what they're listening to that but that's not uncommon but anyways he's um what i was trying to figure out was just how high end his skill is in the hockey sense so um i would say the hockey sense was a little bit uh lower grade than i originally thought but again, we're really low on viewing, so I'm not kind of putting a stamp and that's where he is for final. And same thing with the skill. Probably not quite as high end as I thought, uh, but again, really light on viewing so far. So I'm just going to leave that open. Uh, but he's a player that with that compete in the skating, I really like. Um, 
we'll see where he, where he grades out here on this next list. We're going to probably release some. Um, I'm going down to Penn State to uh, see the Wisconsin kid. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have some meetings right after that and get out the next list. But I figured we might as well wait till I get down there and, and get the live viewing of him. But anyway, he's a uh, small is, is, is to me, he'll stay as a, as an A player. I'd be surprised if he slips out of that top 31 uh, at season's end, but it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on, what I continue to think and, you know, judge his hockey sense and that skill to be, uh, but I think the competing skating, I'm pretty sure will stay uh, high grades. He's currently fourth in team scoring, but he's played three games less than um, just about everybody else on his team. So I don't know if he's yeah, scoring. he had mono. I think okay. I, I, I'm yeah. not sure. Like I, it's just kind of hearsay, and I, I didn't check it for accuracy because it didn't really matter at that point. But right. um, he didn't play in Pittsburgh, and I was just told by one scout that uh, he heard he had mono. So don't take that to the, to the bank. But that's what I was told at the time, and he, he came back shortly after. All right, a couple of defensemen to ask you about as well. One is Jake Sanderson, who hails from the uh, hockey hotbed of Whitefish, Montana. Lots of great skiing around there. But uh, uh, for for fans who uh, want to know more about Jake Sanderson, uh, currently, I mean, not a big point producer at this point uh, yet this year, four points in 11 games, but might not be his calling card. Uh, what sort of a player is he? Yeah, so Jake, I believe, going back to our Black Book in June, I think, and I didn't look it up, I should have... Uh... I should remember this, but my brutal memory. I think we probably had him around 24, something like that. And then he, excuse me, dropped to 32. So just one spot out of that top 31 that everybody can see for free. He was he was right next on the list. Okay. Um, the reason for that was just projecting his you know NHL power play type uh, ability. Now, the one thing I can say about him is. He is high, high end skater. Um, and then I think everything else, there's no huge weakness. He's pretty solid across the board, but we'll probably stay with that. You know, it's pretty hard to get in an NHL power play as a defenseman. So we're just kind of looking at it that way, um, for the projection wise and saying, you know, we're betting right now. He's probably not going to have that on his resume. That said, uh, with the skating and the no real weakness across the board, um, you know, he, he might just be able to play in a three hole or, or four hole and play a lot of minutes. So there's going to be value to him. I mean, he moves pucks pretty well. He, he defends pretty well. There's compete there. Like I say, there's, you know, there, there might not be other than the skating, anything that just blows your doors off when you watch him. But there's nothing that jumps out and goes, ugh, you know, this kid's got to really work on this. So pretty pretty solid across the board, pretty consistent player. Um, I like him. He's 6'1", a left shot, D, 6'1", around the 185 mark. Again, if you take away an inch, probably closer. He does look like maybe he's six feet, but whatever. We're, you know, we're splitting hairs here. But uh, he's he's definitely one of the better players on the U.S. program this year. Well, he's got hockey bloodlines too. Jeff Sanderson, his uh, father, long, yeah, longtime NHLer there, so I know that helps uh, for a lot of people as well. Um, the other defenseman is Tyler Clevin, who comes in at six uh, four and two hundred pounds. And uh, one of the notable things I see on his record is most penalized player at the U uh, seventeen last year at the uh, at the World uh, Hockey U uh, seventeen tournament. Um, I don't know if that's uh, a normal trait for him, but uh, when you're that big. Um, maybe you have that physical advantage, and uh, maybe maybe he takes advantage of that a little too much. Yeah. So this is 
this is a player that, you know, we don't see a ton of anymore because uh, this guy plays mean. He's, he's got some nasty in him. He's got some piss and vinegar. Um, and then, like you just said, this kid's 6'4", 200. Now, I think he is probably every bit of 6'4", um, and probably every bit of that 200-pound range. Uh, big left shot D. Uh, he was one spot ahead of Sanderson. I think we'll probably be jumping back. They'll be really tight. You know, it's kind of like the what's your preference. Um, talk to a few different scouts and ask them, hey, who do you like best? We got them back-to-back, and it was split. Um, and, and the biggest reason people love Clevin is the same reason I love Clevin is it's just hard to find these guys that play really mean like this kid does now. Um, I had one, one scout kind of say, you know, wish I could see him play without a cage and see if he's still mean. And uh, I just said, well, you're not going to, so <laughs> you can forget about that. You're going to have to make a decision because it's not going to happen. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's not just like he's a big slug out there. I mean, he can skate. Um, he can move pucks a little bit. I mean, if you were to compare him to Sanderson for the skating and the puck moving, yeah, he'd be a shade below in both those categories. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got the extra, the extra size, and he and he just plays a bit of a different mean game. Um, he's also got a bomb of a shot. I couldn't tell you now. I haven't enough viewings to tell you, you know, how often he hits the net or how effective it is. But I have seen enough to know that it's pretty good bomb. Um, so, you know, it's early. These are the guys that. Um, that uh, we kind of had early grades on going back to June where we're really just kind of find some A players to stick in that, to stick in that first uh, list of ours in the black book, the early look. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to get a little bit more uh, info on them, starting to, to um, grade them out and project a little bit more. Uh, Thomas Bordalo played well on the weekend. He's another one. He's he's undersized, but uh, pretty smart player with some skill. Uh, so he probably, if I was to start naming another guy, um, he'd be the next name I'd bring up. But uh, yeah, it's it's you know what? There's there's some little tiny guys on the team, and you just quickly look and go, Ugh, you know, it's gonna be tough on them. And, um, and I think NHL Central graded a lot of them and gave them, you know, put them on the watch list. But um, these three plus the Bordalo were kind of where we're starting and going from there. And uh, also the, the kid that played in Ottawa, Dylan, uh, Dylan Peterson. I think I'm remembering right. Yeah, pretty okay. sure Dylan Peterson. Well, Watched him for a little bit because he was OHL draft-wise uh, on our radar. I see uh, Clevin and Sanderson both going to uh, North Dakota, so they'll be teammates at the next uh, level as well. And um, uh, Smolanek doesn't have a uh, college designation just yet, and he's drafted by the Regina Pats uh, out of the WHL. So who knows, maybe... After the NHL draft, uh, maybe he's a guy who relocates north. Unless you know something about uh, where he's uh, headed, do you know? I, I had heard Denver uh, a while back had had looked at him, and then I don't know if the kid decided not to go or they changed their mind or whatever. So I'm not trying to create some big rumor story here, but that's the, the only school I heard, and I'm not really too concerned about it because if this kid wants to go to an NCAA school, he's he's going to have some choices. Yeah. So I don't know why he hasn't decided yet, but that's uh, obviously his choice. Well, he is from Colorado, so uh, Denver would be a, a, a an easy uh, transition for him, I'm sure. All right, Mark, what's next uh, for HockeyProspect.com? You mentioned uh, a new list coming out fairly soon. Yeah, so like I said, we're just I'm doing a Q trip uh, this weekend. 
um, get a quick look at some of my uh, Lafreniere, uh, Potomariev. And then, um, like I said, I've been back in Ontario a little bit and then off to Penn State and see Wisconsin there. They play two. And then when I get back from that, we'll have a few meetings and we'll pump out the next list. And everybody else on the staff will also have two more view, two more weeks of viewings to uh, help us put the next one together. Awesome. As always, Mark, really appreciate your time and appreciate uh, when you set us up with uh, all your staff across uh, the board and uh, some guys over in Europe. I know you got the Five Nations uh, tournaments coming up and uh, always great to get uh, your staff on the show because I know they're in the ranks and doing the work. So uh, I appreciate your time. Yeah, I just actually, just on that note, just remind me, I talked to Johan yesterday uh, just to catch up with him and, and uh, I was asking him a specific player, but um he is going to the Five Nations for the full week, so you can get him on maybe sometime after that. Awesome. And, uh, obviously, the other guys, too, and your regular list of candidates can, can start jumping around here. We've got a uh, new guy in Edmonton that, that uh, you'll come across at some point. So. Oh, excellent. Okay, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, though. Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. we got the Five Nations uh, tournament coming up in the next couple of weeks, I believe, uh, over in Sweden, so uh, we'll connect with uh, Johan, I'm sure, after that. And Throughout this season, we're going to be speaking with uh, the guys from HockeyProspect.com. Up next on the uh, Pipeline Show, we'll have our NCAA campus report. We're going to look at the ECAC conference and preview that conference. I know half the teams, it's a 12-team conference, half of them have already played four or five games, but the other half, the Ivies, have yet to see the ice, but will in the next couple of weeks, so a good time to uh, preview the conference. Ken Schott of Parting Shots. He's my guest, and he's up next here on the Pipeline Show. McLaughlin top the right circle, goal line right, pass through the middle, and a glove save by Colton Point, and a beauty. Man, oh man, what a save by Colton. Hi, it's Colton Point from the Colgate Raiders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. We are back on the Pipeline Show. It's time for the NCAA Campus Report segment. As always, it's brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you are a player or you have a player in your family that is uh, exploring all your options and you need to know what you need to do to maintain your NCAA eligibility, uh, go to collegehockeyinc.com. You can answer a lot of your questions that you might have right on the website. Um, and you can also get in touch uh, with the fine folks at College Hockey Inc. Uh, my guest today is going to help us, uh, well, I guess preview kind of the ECAC uh, conference uh, of the NCAA, although half the teams are already uh, playing games, but the Ivies get going here in uh, the next week or two. Uh, my guest is Ken Schott, who uh, has been a longtime contributor here on the Pipeline Show, but it's been a while, Ken. Great to have you on uh, the Pipeline Show once again. How are things? Key, things are great. I'm uh, happy to be back on the show. You know, like I said, it's been a while, and uh, you know, it's uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not covering the, the, the uh, college hockey per se anymore. I'm uh, new duties at the Gazette, 
uh, associate sports editor, but uh, also hosting the uh, Parting Shots podcast. And we do a couple of podcasts a week, including one on college hockey. So I do keep my hand in it. Uh, Mike McAdams, our beat writer now, but uh, we both put together a podcast. And uh, like I said, I had 25 years of covering the Union College Hockey. And college hockey was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to cover a uh, national championship with the Dutchman in 2014. And, uh, but uh, it's, it's, uh, I like my new role now, and it's, it's a lot of fun, a lot of stress sometimes. Like I said, it's a lot of fun. Well, I mentioned half the teams are uh, playing games already, and, and Union is one of them. And I guess we got to start there because 0-6 to start the year, we're not used to seeing that. What's gone wrong here for the Dutchman? Well, as I mentioned, Guy, I covered this team for 25 years, and then I covered some of the bad teams in the 1990s. Even those teams in the 1990s did not start 0-6. So this is a historically bad start for the Dutchman. Uh, it starts with the fact that they lost nine players uh, from last year's team with the graduation. Which, yeah, obviously expected. But then a couple of things happened in the offseason with the Dutchman. First, Jack Adams, who was their, uh, one of the top, you know, expected top scorers last year, had 10 goals and 12 assists last year. Uh, he's a Detroit Red Wings, uh, uh, draft pick. So he was at the Red Wings, uh, development camp over the summer and he blew out his knee. So he's out. He's hoping, I, I talked with Jack uh, last month and he's hoping to be able to come back sometime this season, maybe around January. So he's a, he's working hard on his rehab. So that that was one um, you know, blow to the Dutchman. And then the other blow was uh, uh, Liam Morgan, who finished his sophomore year as the third leading scorer of the Dutchman with 14 12 goals and 12 assists. And he was going to be uh, the top returning scorer. And emphasis on the word was because he decided to, uh, to leave the college and go play uh, with the Belfast Giants over in uh, in uh, Northern Ireland. So he decided to turn pro and play uh, in Europe, it was a, that was kind of a big blow there for the Dutchman. So you, you lose nine players, and then on top of that, uh, two of your you know, top players expected back. And it's been it's been you're trying to incorporate uh, uh, the whole new set of players. And Rick Bennett said last week they've been you know really haven't been working out on the offense much because they're trying to you know work on a defense. Well, it was working for a while. And they had three three of those losses. Uh, one to Army and then two to Northeastern were by one goal games, but then they went to a fourth rank UMass last weekend and got uh, blown out of the uh, blown out of the arena both nights. And here's the here's the one thing that really sticks out to me: um, the fact that this team is really not developing anything offensively. Uh, they really just uh, just can't get anything going. I mean, they they've had less. They only had 15 shots in goal in one of the games. Uh, let's put it this way: the Union women have been creating better offensive chances than the men right now. That's I mean. That's something, something's got to be changing, and especially this weekend coming up. They're playing their rival RPI. Uh, last year at this time, Union was, you know, the undefeated team. RPI was struggling, and then RPI ends up winning both games, and that's just sent Union into a sort of a tailspin where they were just played inconsistent hockey uh, the rest of the season, and I think that, that funk is now carried over into this season. Hmm. Is there any reason for optimism for, for Dutchman fans for the rest of this year? Is it, does it almost feel like a lost season already? Uh, I, I don't see optimism right now. I mean, if they end up, you know, uh, you know, pulling off the upsets against RPI, I mean, for for me to say that if Union to upset RPI, it's been a long time since uh, our Union's been the underdog in this in this uh, rivalry, and uh, I, I I just don't see if, if maybe if they get Jack Adams back and and another guy we should mention, Parker Fu, uh, he's been out. He hasn't. He's been out with an undisclosed injury and. Uh, so the, I just, if they get Jack Adams back in the, in the second half of this year, maybe there's some optimism there. But as of right now, I just don't see any optimism. All right. Uh, Ken, let's go to the RPI, uh, the team you were just talking about. And the engineers are two and two to be, to begin the year. 
Uh, what do you see when you uh, look at this club, and what are your, sort of your expectations for RPI? I, I like what they have. I mean, uh, Dave Smith has come in there, and it's it's a slow rebuild, but they're getting the job done. Uh, yeah, they got a good. I think they got a good nucleus there. Patrick Polino is leading the team in scoring with uh, three goals and three assists, mm-hmm. and they have a freshman de- uh, defenseman, Simon uh, Kellberg, uh, New York Rangers draft pick, who's off to a hot start with two goals and two assists. Uh, and they got uh, great goaltending with the sophomore Owen S- Savory uh, uh, playing well. I mean, he's, uh, he played well last year, against, especially against Union in the uh, Mayor's Cup game last January, where he shut them out and had, uh, only ended up losing in a, in a shootout. Uh, I, I think they're slowly getting. I mean, this was a team last year that struggled offensively. I mean, their leading scorer last year was Jacob Hayhurst, who was a junior, and then he decided to go through the transfer port and actually graduated. Uh, he ended up transferring to Michigan to play for his senior year. I mean, he only had three goals and 23 points last year. I mean, nobody, their, their top goal scorers were uh, Chase uh, Zeke and Brady Whiffin. Brady Whiffin's graduating now. He had, they both had eight goals. They didn't have anybody in double digits. But like I said, I think that you're, you're seeing the signs of this team. I mean, you know, the patience that Dave Smith and Dave Smith is, is a great person to have there because, you know, if you look at what he did at Canisius, uh, he, he took a program over a program that was struggling and he, that was a slow rebound. And they got, and they got to the point where they were pretty good. And I know the RPI fans were angry, uh, that Dave was named coach to replace Seth Abbott because they, they wanted uh, one of their own, like Ben Barr was, uh, interview for the job and there was talk about Adam Oates, uh, uh, being considered for the job. But uh, I, I always, I always compared Dave Smith to what Joe Torrey did. I mean, Joe Torrey was not welcomed as a manager of the Yankees. The press hated him down there in New York and because he really didn't prove himself in, in previous stops. But lo and behold, he ends up winning four World Series as a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. So that you have to be, just be patient and these coaches know what they're doing. Dave Smith knows what he's doing. And it's going to take some time, but I like what he's doing there. I got to ask you about a player named Todd Burgess. He's a Ottawa Senators uh, fourth round pick in 2016. Uh, that year, uh, he had a monster season uh, in the uh, North American Hockey League for Fairbanks. He had 95 points in in 60 games. Then he missed the his entire freshman season, and the offense has never really seemed to to get on track for him. Where where's he sort of fit right now in terms of his uh, development? In your opinion, I think he's just like you said. He's just struggling. He's only had 10 goals and 20 assists in 74 career games. Uh, this uh, he's got two goals so far this season, but. It's one of those things I, I think when, you know, he was recruited by Seth Appert and I mean, I, I like Seth. I like to you know, talk with him on that, but I think one weakness he had that Seth had at RPI was not getting offensive players. And, and I think that Todd, uh, maybe lost some of his development uh, there. And then, uh, now Dave Smith, he's trying to find that uh, role there. So, uh, but I, I just, I don't know if Todd's ever going to, you know, put the, the points up that he did in juniors. Hmm. All right. Uh, of the other, uh, I guess there's four other teams that are already playing games that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, we'll get to the Ivies in a second, but is Clarkson the, and Qu- maybe Quinnipiac, the Bobcats, uh, are those the two teams to watch for this year out of the ECAC? Uh, they always are. Clarkson, of course, won the uh, ECAC tournament last year. And they, I mean, they lost their top goaltender, uh, uh, Jake Kylie when he was signed with Vancouver after his junior season, but uh, they're getting some great goaltending from senior Frank Marat. Uh, 1.98 goals against average, and uh, I, you know uh, they're doing a great job up there and they're getting things going. Zach uh, Sikos is one of the uh, top players in the league last year. He's already off to a hot start with three goals and an assist. And a sophomore forward Josh Dunn also has four points and two goals and two assists. And one freshman to look out for there, Anthony Romano, an Arizona Coyotes draft pick, 
He's got two goals and one assist here on the young season. So uh, I like the fact what they're doing up there. And I think you know, Clark Snockey's back to where it was uh, a while ago. And the Bobcats are off to a 3-1 and one start, too. So uh, Quinnipiac uh, uh, playing pretty well for Rand Pecknell. That's always the case, man. They're going to be good no matter what. Uh, yeah, they ended up winning the uh, tie for the regular season title last year with Cornell. Ended up uh, getting upset in the uh, uh, playoffs by Brown. But uh, they're, you're, they're going to be good every year. You know what uh, Pecknell brings to that team. And uh, you just you, you obviously you got um, – Andrew Sorchage and goal. He's in, yeah, he was great last year. 1.51 goals against average last year. Um, so, uh, so it's it. And of course, Keith Petrozelli has actually played so more this year than, uh, so, um, uh, I think you, you have Odin Tufto, a junior, uh, hasn't scored a goal yet, but he's got six assists to lead in scoring in, in that department. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I like the, what they're doing right there. And in practice, like I said, it's always going to be tough, uh, uh, a tough team to play. All right. Well, how long until the Ivies get going? Are are they playing this weekend or is it the weekend after? How uh, it's going to be? It's going to be the, it's the weekend after. They're playing some exhibition games against each other right now, but they'll get going uh, the following week. All right. And of course, yeah, Cornell is obviously the, the class of the Ivies right now. Uh, so I, I expect them to be. And the coaches and the media both picked them to uh, be the uh, top team again this year all right well for casual fans who might not know the ins and outs uh why are the uh the big red the team to beat i think mike schaefer has finally come around to playing the speed game i, I mean like schaefer always liked bringing in the big uh hunking uh hulking kids in there but they never had speed and i think a couple of years ago when they got eliminated by union in and the, in the uh, playoffs uh in the first round of the playoffs a few years ago I think what he realized, he needed uh, not only just big guys, but big guys are speeding. They've got them now, and they're they're really doing a good job. And of course, they're always going to have great goaltending uh, and play tough defense. Um, you know, you have Matthew Colada uh, uh, playing in goal for them, and he's an outstanding player. Um, and you look at uh, Morgan Barron uh, back for another year. Um, yeah, he was our top scorer last year with uh, 15 goals and 19 assists. Now this, I mean, they're they're built they're built now to play uh, the, the the modern game with the speed. I, I, like I said, I think you know Mike Schaefer was you know from that era with a clutch and grab, and it worked for a while. But as you know, as, as the rules change, and I think he I think he was slow to adapt to that. But um, he's now you know, getting that going, and uh, I, that's why I think they're, they're going to be they're going to be a tough team to beat. Well, they've got half a dozen players who are uh, drafted by NHL clubs, so uh, fair to expect them to be one of the top teams now. If having NHL drafted players was an indication of how good you're going to be, then Harvard looks pretty darn good because they've got, uh, what, about eight players, I think, maybe even nine that are uh, drafted by NHL teams. What are you expecting from them? I mean, they're going to, I think, a team in transition, but uh, they're always good with, with uh, Teddy Zano there behind the bench leading the way. Um, you just you know, The Crimson, they're, gonna, they're always going to be tough at home. Uh, you know, obviously they lost to Adam Fox to the Rangers. Uh, you know, he had a great year last year. Uh, you know, nine goals, three nine assists, their top scorer uh, last season. But uh, I mean, they got their, you know, I think, solid in goal. Uh, you know, and then obviously defensively, uh, they're going to be they're gonna be great. Uh, so I, I like what they have. Uh, I mean, obviously losing Fox is really going to be uh, a tough blow for them. Uh, they obviously rally Walsh or. Is the top returning scorer, another defenseman who begins his junior year. He had 12 goals and 19 assists last year, but they got to get some 
you know, some of the forwards to score a lot more. I mean, the only forward to hit uh, double digits and goal, and the only uh, was a uh, uh, senior now graduate, uh, Louis uh, Zetter Gossage. So they got to find some goal scoring there. But yeah, Teddy Donato will find it. Ken, uh, uh, is there a team or a storyline that we haven't touched on yet that you think is worth mentioning? I, I, I think one thing to look for is the, the change in officiating the director. I mean, Paul Stewart was let go uh, after after last season. And they, uh, they brought in uh, one of the, one of the referees uh, last year. Uh, and the names escaped me for the moment. Uh, but uh, they, they, I think Steve Highwall, uh, and I think they need to do something to officiate. So it's going to be see, interesting to see how the officials react to the new uh, people in charge without Paul Stewart there. All right. Well, we'll watch for that. As always, uh, you and I are both Philadelphia Flyers fans. Uh, you're a lot closer to it than, than I am here. Is there a reason to be optimistic for us this year? Well, it's going to be interesting. I just saw that um, – Brian Ellis is going to get the start Thursday night in Chicago, and he's the second straight start. He played well against Vegas on Monday night. I mean, Carter Hart, obviously, I think is going to be uh, eventually the, the guy there. And uh, I, I think there is some options. I was actually down visiting my mom in Philly last month as I went over to the Flyers training camp uh, the opening day. They wanted to do a story with Shane Goss's bear. And I, uh, you can say, I, I mean, you can just sense a different vibe in that in that locker room there. Uh, you know, we had, yeah, I was, well, had a chance to help you know, to interview Elaine Vigneault, and he just seems down to earth, uh, but and is relaxed. But he's not going to take any gruff, and he's going to, you know, he's going to call uh, guys out that, that aren't playing well. And I think that's what this team needs. And I tell the fact that uh, Elaine's, like I said, a very relaxed coach. At least likes to seem to me keep things loose in there. And I think that's uh, that's important for the team. Because I think under Hackstall. Uh, they were just stressful and, and just the, the culture there. And, you know, Ron Hextall, the general manager and the accusations that he had a spy in the, I mean, I don't know how true that was, but, uh, I think there's a, there's a lot, there's the atmosphere is a lot different for that team right there. I mean, there's off to a you know, somewhat, uh, slow start, which, you know, they've had in the past, but I just, I, I sense it's going to be, it's going to be a lot different this year. So I think they, do they make the playoffs? Uh, it's a tough, they're in a tough division. I mean, you, you gotta look at that uh, Metro division with, uh, you know, the, you know, the Capitals, the uh, Carolina, the Islanders, uh, the, the Rangers. It's, that's a tough division. Uh, but uh, they gotta, you know, just get, get going, get going here. I mean, I like the fact that their penalty kills a lot better this year. Uh, the power play seems to be, uh, a lot more active than it had been. I mean, so I, I like what's going on right there. It's, it's gonna take time. Uh, I think a lot of the fans expected things to you know, get off to a great start, and it doesn't happen yet. But like I said, there's a lot more, it's a lot calmer there, and I think it's going to be, they'll be fine. And I think once they get to rolling in the season and you know, get into January, and February, I think they'll be fine. I, I think they'll they'll sneak into the playoffs. Ken, we know where you are at the Daily Gazette. Uh, how do people get a hold of the uh, Parting Shots podcast? Well, the Parting Shots podcast is on the uh, is on the website at dailygazette.com slash sports, slash parting shots. is also an Apple podcast and Spotify. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll be definitely be checking that out, and I uh, hope you don't mind if I call you again this year. Thanks, Keith. Take care. Ken Schott knocking it out of the park once again, as he always does here on the Pipeline Show. Check out Parting Shots, his uh, podcast, uh, looking at the ECAC conference, and a little bit more. I'm sure he sneaks some Flyers talk in there as well. A little jealous that uh, Ken has been able to, uh, I'm sure he's seen a number of uh, hockey games out there. It's on my bucket list, get out to Philly and watch uh, the Flyers uh, in person. But uh, obviously being a little further away, it's uh, probably not going to happen for a while. 
Next segment here on the Pipeline Show is an in-the-dub segment for Dub Network. We're going to speak with Ryan Chazowski, a forward with the Medicine Hat Tigers. He's an undrafted 19-year-old, uh, but has put together a couple of really strong seasons in a row and is off to another good start this year. We'll chat with him about uh, his play, also the play of the team, and more. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. One, two, three, four. Penalty is over, and the planes four of them get out. Up at center and coming in as Lou Dyke centered it. And got scores! Danny McDonald! Hey, it's Lanny McDonald, formerly of the Medicine Hat Tigers, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Pack your weekend with WHL Hockey Action. This Friday night, your Edmonton Oil Kings take on the Medicine Hat Tigers at Rogers Place. Then, Saturday night, it's a showdown against the Seattle Thunderbirds for the first ever cartoon festival. With your favorite childhood characters roaming the concourse. Don't miss the Oil Kings live. Puck drops at 7. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. All right, thumbs up. Let's do this. Back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. It's an in the dub segment brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the world of the Western Hockey League by visiting dubnetwork.ca on a regular basis. Uh, All right, let's uh, get to my guest who is uh, coming at us from the Medicine Hat Tigers. Ryan Chazowski is my uh, guest. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, pretty uh, interesting season thus far for the Medicine Hat Tigers. It's a big year. Maybe we'll start there. 50th uh, season for the Medicine Hat Tigers this year. Um, as a player, do you kind of get caught up in the excitement of that um, big milestone? Um, I mean, yeah, a little bit. It's just another season for us. Uh, I think just kind of coming back, obviously, with a little bit more excitement with our team. Uh, more so, just knowing it's a big year for us and that uh, we got a lot of older players and um, you know, we got the chance to kind of go for it this year. Well, and uh, so far this year, team's been pretty playing pretty well, and uh, part of a couple of monster uh, lopsided victories. You beat uh, Swift Current ten one. You you beat Red Deer nine one. Coming off a loss though against uh, the Calgary Hitmen, and they've uh, beaten you twice this year. Uh, you know, you're, it's it's going to be a tough go uh, this season. The Central Division uh, at the top end is going to be pretty tough, and you got an interesting uh, match against uh, the Oil Kings this coming weekend, but. In your perspective, uh, how's the season gone so far for you and the Tigers? I think it's gone good for us. I mean, uh, and obviously we got to figure out uh, a little bit of a way to beat Calgary. That's kind of been getting us, but uh, I think it's been going good. We've been working hard. Everybody's been improving a lot, uh, so I think it's it's you know it's just kind of going up for us right now. And um, obviously, right now we're ha- we're happy with where we want to be, but uh, I think it's just a matter of. You know, continually improving for us all year and, um, you know, getting to the point where we want to be the best team in the league by the end of the season and going into the playoffs. For yourself, uh, 15 points uh, already this year uh, through 12 games. Nine of those points are goals. Uh, on an individual basis, you pretty happy with the way things have gone? Yeah, I am pretty happy. I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously there's times where I think as an older player, we need, you need to put up points and help the team win games. So, um, I think, you know, that we've been winning and, you know, I've been contributing and our lines have been contributing, you know, it's been huge. So I think it's just a matter of keeping that going and I'm um, continually getting better too. 
for you, this is a year four in the WHL, and you talked about being an older player now. And uh, as that happens, you you have to take on more of a leadership role. Does that come naturally for you? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it, it's something that I've always kind of looked forward to growing up, kind of coming up in in nice and hot. So I think it's it's something you kind of take on uh, with excitement, and um, it's just you know you kind of help the young players out and uh, mentor them through kind of the struggles that you've gone through and whatnot you know, kind of lead them and show, you know, set, set by example your play and everything. So it's been, uh, it's been fun experience for me. You know, I've kind of grown into that the past couple of years. So it's, um, I'm, I feel like I'm getting more comfortable with it this year being um, that much older and whatnot. So. Well, when you first arrived in Medicine Hat, you had guys like Chad Butcher and, and Steve Auer and, and Mason Shaw, and Matt Bradley. I mean, there's a long list of, of guys who have gone through that organization since you've been there. Do you take a little bit from all of those guys now that you're expected to, to play that leadership role? Yeah, for sure. I think it's huge having them kind of, when you're a young guy, you learn a lot from the older guys. Um, I think they're the biggest kind of teachers for you. And um, they're the guys that you want to get to and they're kind of in the position that you want to get to. So you obviously watch them a lot, uh, a lot closer than, you know, some of the other guys. And um, I think it's huge just kind of, the way they hold themselves off the ice and their work ethic and everything, that's kind of one of the biggest things I took away from my older older players when I was younger. For those of us who have been uh, around and covering the WHL for uh, many years now, uh, it's it's really neat to see Willie Desjardins back in the WHL. and it's it, We look at it that way, but for you, it's a new experience. You weren't there when the last time he was coaching in Medicine Hat. So what's that transition like for you as a player to, to have a – uh, a guy like that come back to the organization, even though you weren't there his first time around. Yeah, it's it's been unreal. I think he brings a lot of knowledge. Obviously, going up to the NHL for a while and then um, coming back. So I think it's it's been a good change up for us right now. And um, he he pushes us to you know be better even when we're playing good. So I think that's uh, um, been been a big positive for us and helped a lot of players out having a little bit of a fresh start too. Um, I think it's. It's been great. I mean, I've loved him so far, and I, I, I like the knowledge he brings to, you know, just kind of making you better every day and pushing you. So. Is there any intimidation at all involved? I mean, this is a guy with NHL on his resume now. Were you a bit nervous to not sure what to expect? Um, I wouldn't say I was nervous. I mean, he's a pretty genuine guy, so yeah, I think it's it's easy to kind of listen to him and look up to him, but he, he's definitely, it was definitely a little bit nerve-wracking having kind of that new new uh, kind of whole shift come in and um, all his different, you know, systems and how he wants to do stuff. So I think that was the biggest thing. Ryan Chizowski of the Medicine Hat Tigers, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, who are your team or your line mates uh, this year for the most part, uh, Ryan, or has that changed a lot? No, right now it's been Brett Camp and Cole Sillinger. Well, I got to ask you about Cole Sillinger because uh, he's got 15 points through 12 games. This is a rookie in the WHL. And go back to your rookie year, you had 12 points in 52 games. Uh, and he's uh, he's already uh, past your rookie numbers. Um, tell me about Cole Sillinger and and uh, how impressed you must be uh, just to have him as a linemate. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. He's a pretty good young player, so um, he's definitely physically mature for his age, and and just plays the game at an elite level and thinks at an elite level. So um, it's been it's pretty fun to watch, and you know sometimes me and Kemper kind of sit there and watch him do some crazy stuff and think, wow, it's, you kind of forget. It. And, and uh, yeah, it's pretty, 
amazing. Well, looking forward to watching him uh, here this weekend uh, against the Oil Kings. Uh, for yourself, this year, it's uh, mentioned earlier, it's your fourth full season in the WHL. Uh, you, you haven't been drafted uh, yet, and uh, I guess you could still be this year. What's sort of your outlook on uh, the whole NHL draft scenario now? I mean, your draft year was 2018, and uh, you weren't selected then. Um, do you do you pay much attention to the draft now? Is that on your mind much, or are you just kind of uh, making sure you do what you can at, at this level and, and hope things work out after? Yeah, no, I don't really focus on it much anymore. I mean, um, I think it's just a matter of playing the best I can play. I want to win here with Medicine Hat, so I think that that kind of takes care of itself after that. And um, I think it's a matter of you got five years of junior to play. And, I think if you make the best of it, it kind of takes care of itself after that. So I think um, I just want to, you know, obviously, like I said, I just want to win here and play as good as I can for for the Mesnet Tigers, and then they kind of see if that anybody wants to answer that or if it'll kind of happen or if it won't. But so I think, yeah, I'm trying not to really think about that. All right. I, I am curious. Uh, next year, I mean, you do have uh, another year of eligibility after this one, if uh, if you're back in in uh, junior hockey or or not, um, there are a number of former Tigers who are at the University of Alberta right now, and th- that U Sport option using your WHL scholarship, obviously a pretty good one. I know that's still a year and a half away uh, for you, um, but when do you start thinking about that potential? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I mean, I know my brother's in there. Uh, he plays out in Waterloo University, University of Waterloo, and. I talked to some of the guys at U of A there. They love it there. And, uh, they've kind of all put it in my ear that, you know, if, if it obviously didn't work out, then I can, you know, go look into those places. But uh, I'm trying, you know, just kind of focus on my junior eight now, focus on the sure. Tigers. And, um, I, it, it's obviously a great option to still go to. Sorry. And it, um, it's, uh, it's a good league. So, I mean, there's guys coming out of there getting pro contracts and whatnot. And I think it's, it's something important to still go to school. I, I kind of enjoy doing that myself. So, um, it, obviously my first option would be to try and get a contact on a junior, but, um, I think, it, yeah, I think it'd definitely be something I'd look into if, if that didn't work out. Nice. Uh, Ryan Chazowski of the Medicine Hat Tigers, my guest, uh, 27 uh, goals last year and 27 uh, and 28 assists. So pretty even split between your goals and your, and your, uh, your assists like that. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or a setup guy, or uh, or is it a? I guess it's a pretty pretty clear. It's a bit of a mix. Yeah, I think I I've kind of tried to take on more of a shooting role this year. I, I try to put on a little bit more of a shot first mentality. I have a heavy, quick release that I, I want to use more. So I think that that's helped me this year and just kind of taking charge of my game and getting more chances. Ryan, uh, lastly, uh, I mentioned fiftieth season for the Medicine at Tigers. It's also the 50th scene for Bob Ridley behind the microphone uh, of the Tigers. And uh, I know every, anybody who's ever had anything to do with the WHL uh, speaks very highly of Rids. But, uh, and, and I know him fr- as a broadcaster myself. But um, as, a, as a guy that's on the bus uh, with a legend like that, um, give, me a, give me a bit of a sense of what it's like to be about, around Bob Ridley. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's always you know, happy guy. He's going guy. It's always kind of cool to see around the road still, obviously. He's been there since the start of the Tigers, so um, it's pretty amazing to see that and think about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a genuine, unreal human being. That you know, it's it's always kind of makes you happy to be around him. 
he's always there to talk to about whatever. So um, it's it's pretty cool. Obviously, listening to him on the radio sometimes, uh, watching our highlights, you kind of hear his play-by-play. He's got a pretty legendary voice that I think you know, a lot of people would recognize. So it's, uh, it's cool to be around him and kind of see him every day and just kind of witness that. Awesome. Ryan, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season uh, with uh, the Tigers and uh, whatever happens after uh, your junior hockey career. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, Ryan Chizowski of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Those Tigers are up in Edmonton uh, to play the Oil Kings tonight, as a matter of fact, if you're listening to this on Friday when the show uh, initially comes out. Really good player, and the Tigers always seem to have, they just have a wave of guys. I mean, every every year there's like two or three, sometimes they're undrafted players, but they get into their 19 and their 20-year-old season, and uh, those guys just turn it up another notch. And uh, Chazowski very well could be one of those players once again. He's had uh, a really good career already for the Medicine Hat Tigers, and it'll be interesting to see how, how much higher he can take that uh, this season in the WHL. One segment left to go. It's going to be with a former WHL player, but it's going to be a U-Sport update segment. Jordy Stallard, who played a couple of years with the Calgary Hitmen and a couple more with the Prince Albert Raiders. Now he's out on the East Coast playing for the Acadia Axemen. Going to hear from him next here on the Pipeline Show. Corbett Mayo wants Corbett a blast. They score! Score! Curtis Lazar! Dips on the Corbett offering. The Oil Kings! Are going to the Memorial Cup Championship Final. Hey, this is Curtis Lazar, the Memorial Cup Champion on the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And here he is. Having the time of his life. We're back on the Pipeline Show, final segment of this week's episode, and uh, time to talk a little U-Sport hockey once again, as we like to do on this program, and we uh, catch up with a lot of former CHL guys who are uh, using their uh, scholarship packages from whichever league they played in, and uh, continuing their developmental path onto a potential pro career, and uh, my guest this week was in the WHL and is now playing uh, in his second year in a U-Sport, out in the uh, AUS conference of uh, U-Sport to hockey. And you are in, uh, we're speaking with uh, Jordy Stallard uh, of the uh, Acadia Axemen. Uh, welcome to the program, Jordy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to catch up with you. I, I watched you uh, your entire WHL career uh, out here up till recently. And uh, so it's good to, to catch up and, and see how you're doing now. And I, I see the team is off to a pretty good start. First place in, in the conference uh, after dropping the first game of the season. You've rattled off six in a row. 
uh, things have gone pretty well for your club. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously it's a pretty big year for us hosting nationals. Uh, wanted to come out and have a good start. And I think the, the first game was a little bit of a wake up call, but we found ourselves on a little bit of a streak, uh, six and one now and, uh, we're playing really well and just hope to keep it moving forward here. What's the, the biggest difference for you? This is a year two for you now. And uh, you go back to your, your WHL career and that second year is probably a lot uh, easier than your first year. Uh, just uh, getting used to I mean, there's no surprises. You've been to all the ranks, that stuff. Do you, do you feel that way about uh, your your time here in the U sport as well? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just a matter of fact of uh, getting familiar with everyone and, and getting a little experience under your belt. Uh, school and hockey, both handling both at the same time can be pretty challenging, but hmm. I think I got a better understanding of it now, and, uh, and yeah, I'm really enjoying my time here so far. We're going to talk a lot about the hockey part, but we shouldn't ignore the uh, the education part. What's, uh, <laughs> what, are you, what are you taking? Uh, business. Okay. Was that uh, a, a, just a, an easy decision for you, or did you know what you wanted to take when you first uh, got there? Uh, I mean, I kind of bounced around a different, couple different options, but I figured business was, was the most general, and I didn't really have much interest in anything other than playing hockey, so I figured just <laughs> uh, going that, and a couple of the guys are, are in it, so that helps out as well. All right, so the end goal for you is to continue uh, your, your hockey career after your time at, at Acadia and, and uh, get a, a pro contract, whether it's in North America or over in Europe. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I should rephrase that. School is important to me, and I do, really <laughs> do, do want to do well, but the goal is definitely for sure to, to extend my hockey career after after the fact. Tell me about the program out there. I, I obviously, you know, out west here, we don't get to see those uh, schools that uh, play very often. We're pretty familiar with Canada West, of course, but, um, what's the, the, uh, what's it like playing in AUS? Uh, it's good. I mean, this is the first time I've been, been out east, this far out east, and I got here in January of last year. Um, it's good. It's, it's, it's fast paced. It's still really good hockey. Um, you know, it's, uh, we play on actually, uh, Olympic, the guy's side service so that was a bit of a bit of a change of practices are a, a bit more tiring that's for sure but uh no it's good <laughs> oh, that's funny uh now of course you mentioned you uh you arrived out there uh midway through uh last season and actually did you actually get to play any uh games with acadia last season yeah i think i got 13 games in and then three playoff games in okay perfect um now you mm-hmm. started the uh the year off in the echl and uh maybe just to take us through that uh decision to uh to stop playing uh, professionally and, and use your scholarship package was that an easy choice for you i uh, i mean you kind of i mean throughout the throughout the first half of the season there in the coast i was bouncing around with the idea i started out in allen in texas i got traded within a month of being there hmm. um traded to indy and was playing and nothing uh nothing was really happening i was i knew about the whl scholarship package and it had to be used within 18 months or whatever of, of your 20 year old season. And, uh, I didn't want time to tick down. Uh, I knew school is important. Go get a degree and nothing was really happening for me contract wise. Uh, I wasn't, wasn't playing at my very best. So I figured use the, use the option of the WHL scholarship package and, uh, made the choice with Katie. Jordy Stallard of the Acadia Axemen, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, maybe let's go back and uh, revisit your WHL career a bit as well. Uh, now you're from, you're, you're from Manitoba, right, Brandon? Yeah, Brandon. Yeah, correct. Uh, but you started in the dub with the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, they drafted you uh, in the fourth round way back in uh, in 2012 and uh, played, uh, what, about two and a half years with the Hitmen and uh, ended your WHL career with the, the Prince Albert Raiders. When you look back now at, at your time in the league, uh, what stands out to you? 
Oh, I got everything. Probably just the relationships that I made, the friendships that I made. Uh, yeah, I went out to Calgary at a pretty young age, moving away from home. Uh, nothing but great things to say about that organization. It was awesome. Uh, got traded to PA and another great organization, small town community. I love that. It's kind of it was kind of cool to be able to play on both teams, kind of both ends of the spectrum, small town and in the big city. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, that is neat that you get the the whole spectrum there, uh, going from big market mm-hmm. to uh, one of the smaller markets. And interesting to see yeah. uh, last year the Prince Albert Raiders win the WHL championship. The year after you leave, a little bittersweet there to not be a part of it, but uh, you get to see a lot of friends uh, celebrating. Yeah, it was it was awesome to see them win. Uh, I mean, it starts right from the top with uh, the manager percent and the coaches. Uh, Habshide, they're great. They deserve to win. I, I said it right from the start of the year. These guys will be, will be a contender after the year that I left. We had such a strong young core group. Uh, just really happy to see them win. Now, after the, uh, 2017 season, you were drafted by the, uh, the, or excuse me, the 2016 season, uh, drafted by the Winnipeg Jets and, 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 uh, obviously didn't, uh, end up, uh, with a, a contract for you. Maybe just go back. I know that's probably not easy to talk about, but uh, that must have been a, a tough part of your career. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a lifelong dream to get drafted in the NHL. Uh, it was pretty cool to be drafted to Winnipeg, kind of home, two-hour drive away. So yeah. It wasn't bad at all. But, yeah, definitely my going into my 20-year-old season, I knew I had a big season. I wanted to get a contract. Um, didn't work out. It still is my goal to this day to sign an NHL contract. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess you just kind of take a plan B and, and start looking at different options. That's kind of why I went to the coast, see how things worked out, and, that didn't work out there, so just trying school now. But it uh, it was cool, and I'm still looking for it. Your last season in the dub, 44 goals, 91 points with Prince Albert uh, that final year. That is a really strong season. Did you have any kind of uh, like an invite to pro camp or anything like that? I know it didn't end up yeah. with an NHL contract, but there must have been interest. Uh, yeah, I went to uh, Ottawa's main camp, uh, and then I went to the Belleville Center's AHL camp okay. as well. At least you know uh, that you're on the radar for teams. Yeah, I mean, I just got to put my best foot forward. I, I know I got to get a lot bigger and stronger still if I want to want to get to the next level. But uh, hopefully, that's what these four years will will do. When your uh, junior eligibility is up and you got to make that choice uh, of where you're going uh, to steer your career, and that decision you're you're looking at the ECHL or using your scholarship package, you you ended up choosing the ECHL. But was that an easy choice to make? And, what what kind of uh, what were you weighing between the two paths? Yeah, that at the time of making that choice, it actually was a pretty tough choice. Um, I knew that uh, there was no contract on the on the table, so I knew to have to go to an East Coast team. And at the time, the the plan was just go to the East Coast team, sign a one way deal, and you know hopefully succeed there, do well there, and get a call up and maybe an AHL contract offer. Uh, but kind of just as the season started, the season went on in the coast. I didn't want to ruin any chances of my school eligibility, so my agents just called me and, and, and kind of talked about the idea of uh, of heading to school, and then that's where we came with Acadia. Now, uh, why Acadia, the the right program for you? Uh, you're a Western guy. I, I know there are you have some teammates uh, that are from the WHL playing with you uh, out there in in Acadia as well. But most generally, the WHL guys will play Canada West. Uh, but uh, why uh, why the trek out east for you? Well, I think probably the teammates uh, help Michael Zip, Locke Morrison, and at the time Jackson Howell Cruz no longer here. He uh, he was here. 
and those guys were uh, pretty big roles in getting me here. Uh, they, they loved it out here. I have nothing but good things to say. And as well, I knew uh, a guy who used to play for the Brandon Weekings, Andrew Clark. He's now playing pro in, in Austria, I believe. We're pretty good family friends with him, and he attended four years at Acadia as well, actually. And was able to talk with him and, and kind of work out everything, and he was uh, he had nothing but great things to say about the place. Well, and uh, some of those other WHL guys that are uh, on your team in Acadia, Logan Flodell, goaltender. Uh, you mentioned uh, Michael Zip, Tate Olson's a, a former WHLer, as is Mark uh-huh. McNulty and Macy McCarty uh, played with the Red Deer Rebels. And uh, uh, there's so there's a, a number of guys. And uh, when you're having uh, practice, the uh, you have some inter squad games. You know the WHL guys against the OHL and the Q guys. <laughs> At the start of the season, uh, when we got here, when we weren't allowed to practice with coaches, we just do uh, East versus West. So yeah. we do most of the dub guys with maybe a couple old guys versus versus everyone else. So it gets pretty competitive out there. Who's got uh, bragging rights when it comes to that? Uh, I think we split it pretty evenly, but I know we got a couple games for sure. <laughs> a lot of other guys uh, that you played against in the WHL that are also out in AUS. You cross paths with some former, former uh, maybe even some teammates? He, no teammates, but, uh, yeah, Mark Russell, he's on UMB Reds, played him. He's a really good player. Uh, McDonald's on St. FX. I believe he was in Everett. Everett, yeah. Right. But there's a couple guys, yeah, that came out here. Now, uh, how long does it take you to get used to sort of the, uh, what the rivalries are like? Like, who is the, the arch rival for Acadia out there? Uh, I'd probably say St. FX is our, our rivalry. It didn't take, didn't take very long at all to, to notice that one. The games are always always pretty intense. No, it's a seven team conference, so I imagine it's it's easy to get up for for all the games. And uh, you know, teams like UNB are are perennial uh, powerhouse, uh, so those games have to be pretty uh, intense as well. I would guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess anything can happen in the league, but uh, these teams are good. They're pro teams, and uh, we just got to make sure we bring it every time we play them. Uh, so this weekend, uh, you have a, a couple of games. A lot of conferences will play home and home, but are just geographically, you guys are close enough to each other that um, you don't have to play the same team uh, in back-to-back nights. Uh, like this weekend, you're playing St. Mary's, and, and then you're on the road in, in Prince Edward Island. And so geographically, it, it means you you can uh, that schedule is kind of different. Yeah, it's not too bad at all. I think the only overnight trips that we'll do is maybe New Brunswick, which is about five hours away, and. Moncton, which is about three, and PAI is three two. Uh, yeah, it's not too bad. It's kind of every night you're playing a different team. It's it's not hard to get to one place to another. So the travel schedule not quite like the WHL. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Definitely not like Prince Albert's travel schedule. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this season, uh, Jordy, and your uh, again, it's it's year two or maybe year one point five for you. But um, yeah, you, you've we'll got call it year two. yeah, you've got uh, five years of eligibility uh, in in U Sports. You after this year, you still got three more years. But do you know what your career path is? Do you take it one year at a time, or or, or how do you kind of view it? Ah, uh, yeah. I don't think uh, I'm not trying to look too far in the future. I know what I want, but I got to take it one game, one game, one year at a time, and, and just hopefully everything works out. And uh, I know I want to be in it uh, playing hockey somewhere after uh, after my years here, and uh, that's what I know that I want. For you know a 19 year old or a 20 year old player that uh, is kind of uh, in the same situation that you were uh, when you were that age, uh, and, and they're kind of weighing their options between ECHL or or going over to Europe or uh, going uh, and using their scholarship package. 
what would you tell a guy like that now, having gone through that experience yourself? Well, I would I would definitely say if if they have the opportunity to go to the coast or or even the AHL for a little bit, try it out and, and see if it's uh, see if it's what they think uh, the path is, and uh, if it works out for them, great. And if not, school is always a good option. Uh, I mean, we've been told that you need a degree, and, and we got to get that. So here, and you can play hockey as well. So it's it's not bad at all. The hockey's really good. It's fast paced. Big guys. It's just. Junior A, right after Junior A, so it, uh, it's better. And the, and the scholarship package has worked out well for you? Worked out really well, yeah. It's it's actually been really easy. The, the WHL, just in contact with one guy, and he gets everything, emails it to you, and it's, it's really quick. Excellent. It's worked out well. Well, Jordy, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, wish you and the Axemen the, the best of luck this season. Uh, maybe we'll uh, talk to you down the road. For sure. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's uh, Jordy Stallard of the Acadia Axemen, uh, formerly of the Prince Albert Raiders and the uh, Calgary Hitmen. And I saw this week the WHL uh, released uh, the numbers for the uh, scholarships uh, that they've given out uh, this fall, just short of 400 new record, I believe, set uh, by the league. It's it's always great for to see the uh, the guys who don't sign the NHL contracts uh, making use of their WHL scholarships across the, the Canadian Hockey League, not just the dub guys, but. I've always said it that, um, you know, the ECHL isn't going anywhere. It's it's still going to be there when you're done playing U-Sport. Now, you heard Jordy say it, and he did it. He went to the ECHL and played for six months and decided it wasn't the right uh, fit or the right time for him, uh, so he's making use of his scholarship. I think that's the smart thing to do. And I'm not going to hold it against a guy that uh, decides he's going to go to Europe or play in the ECHL or the American Hockey League and... and uh, and just becomes a career minor leaguer, and that's that's fine too. I mean, you're you're getting paid to play pro hockey. That to me is a is still a, a WHL success story. But I do tip my cap to the to the guys that use their scholarship packages while they can, and uh, then then go on and play professionally after that. And with that, that wraps up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Thanks to all four guests that you heard from on this week's uh, episode, and all of those interviews done Tuesday, Wednesday ish, except for one of uh, the. The, uh, the final segment there with Jordy was uh, done uh, yesterday on Thursday. Uh, but that means that uh, early access for patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Everybody who has signed up to be a patron, they've had access to those interviews for two or three days already. If that interests you, if you'd like to get early access, then go to patreon.com slash the pipeline show and check it out. A couple of bucks a month is all it takes. You can sign up with your credit card. It comes out. At the start of every month, just automatically, you don't even have to think about it. And uh, while two bucks uh, won't mean a whole lot to you, uh, accumulates and uh, means a whole lot to uh, me and to the future of the Pipeline Show. So I appreciate, from the bottom of my heart, everybody who has already signed up to be a patron. And uh, to those who are maybe hearing this right now and are going to go check it out and will sign up as well. Thank you very much. Next week on the Pipeline Show, uh, I do have one confirmed guest already. It'll be the 2020 Draft Spotlight segment guest. We're going to head over to Sweden and Noel Gundler, potential first round pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, he is going to be on the show next week. And uh, the other guests are uh, yet to line up, but, uh, you know, there's going to be a CHL insider. There'll be an in the dub segment. There'll be an NCAA college uh, campus report. Pretty much everything you've come to know and expect from the Pipeline show, you know what to expect. So between now and then, get out there and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on The Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.